0: Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. I am uh, excited to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. I was absent last week due to illness, and so it makes it extra special to be here and uh, be able to fellowship with the people of God. Um, You may have noticed I brought something with me this morning. We'll use it as an object lesson a bit later. Before we get started, let's just bow our heads to pray. Father, I do pray that you would be with us this morning as uh, we believe you already are, Lord, in guiding us and teaching us and the things we heard this morning and the importance thereof. I pray you would impress it on our mind. And I do pray, Lord, in this message that you would give grace and direction. And may you open our eyes to see the truth of your word and to understand and embrace it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For a message this morning, I would like to give maybe a bit of background, if you will, as to where my thoughts have been. And there's a, uh, there are a lot of figures of speech. I will probably use a number of them this morning, Um, maybe try to explain them. But you are probably familiar with the expression, the elephant in the room, which has to do with this huge object that nobody can miss, but you don't really care to talk about it because it's a pretty large subject. Well, I feel in a sense like uh, I'm tackling that elephant in the room, if you will. And it has to do with uh, maybe the heart of some of the subjects and discussions we've had in the last months and even several years as we talk about lifestyle, uh, what kind of an impression that we as a church want to have. And as you know, If we're honest with ourselves, those discussions haven't always gone that well. And there are varying opinions. How important are some things? And so I'd just like to talk this morning, not necessarily that I'm going to detail exactly what it should be, but I am going to address what I think are some very basic principles and something that requires some attention, lest we get lost in our, in our way. Um, I'm going to be using some illustrations. Uh, some of the illustrations I'm going to draw from business and what is required for a successful business. Now, Maybe I'll repeat everything Brother Darrell said last Sunday night. I don't know, because I didn't hear it. don't know what he said. But it is also a principle that is true in the Scriptures, and it applies to a church body. It applies to us being successful in the Christian life. And the first illustration, which kind of bears on the title that I would draw from from business or work, a workplace environment, you've probably read a help-wanted ad and you see a list of qualifications. And it probably comes as no surprise, if you have read very many of them, that... One of the requirements that might be listed there is attention to detail is a characteristic that they're looking for. Sometimes it's uh, detail-oriented. They might say it different ways, but that concept of attention to detail... And so... uh, That is the title of my message this morning, Attention to Detail Required. you may immediately recognize that that is not a very popular concept in the Christian church. If we just address the broad range of those who profess to follow Christ, in fact, many times you will find the opposite emphasized. It's not that important to pay attention to details. Another thing we're going to look at this morning, I will just call it, and here's one of these um, cliches, if you will. I will call it the fine line. You've heard of that. There's a fine line between this or that. And many times we can get bogged down in a discussion about how important this detail, this fine line is. You know, which side should we be on? Or is this detail that important? Well, there are times when detail is important. Let me give you an illustration. We'll we'll make another line here. And this relates to our business of uh, installing gutters. Now this is the type of diagram we will put on our paper It's just kind of a drawing and we will make marks here that mark the end of our gutter and then we will put a measurement here, which in this case we're just going to put an arbitrary figure here of, uh, let's see, this is going to be 84 feet, one and one half inch. Okay. Now, this doesn't require extreme precision, but it does require some. And what we like to see when we come to a building, and I'll use Zook Builders here as an illustration. We'll boast about them for a bit. But this line, while it doesn't show on paper, actually needs to be level. Why? Because water is supposed to flow to one side or the other, and you know that water always finds its level. (laughs) And the problem is that if this 84-foot stretch is not level, we have a problem. And we may have to adjust. So we trust when we come to certain uh, buildings is, one, that this is level. And what we also are pleased to find is that when you do this on one side of the building, 84 feet, one and one-half inches, and you go to the other side and find it is exactly the same length. And we cut our gutter to the exact same length on one side to the other. Well, we have had experience with some other builders. In fact, often enough to for them to gain a reputation that they don't even realize that they have. And one of the most, the earliest and most severe case was a new house or a portion of a new house which was almost entirely new construction. And we installed gutter on one side and then we went around and measured for the other side and could hardly believe There was, in about a, and this was only like a 40 or 50 foot stretch, there was four inches of difference from one side to the other. And so we rechecked, yes, four inches. Now that makes any builder just cringe, because a half inch, not a big deal, but four inches Now, something really went wrong. You're going to have problems. Four inches. Now, in another setting, four inches may not be a big deal. But let me assure you, on a building like that, four inches is a big deal. And somebody was not paying attention to detail. And maybe... Maybe even some basics. I'm not sure if you could even call it detail, but on this same structure, two story, I was up top where we put the downspout, which is supposed to run down the corner of the building, and you always like to make sure it aligns with the corner. But I discovered, as I sighted down through, that the corner is not even straight. It has a significant bow in it, and it's never going to look right. with If we make our downspout straight, it will show up the corner for what it is. Again, I, somebody was not paying attention to detail. Well, as I mentioned the reputation, we have found that to be true on many places. There have been new structures, new houses where this line was not level. And unfortunately, it didn't flow in the direction that the water was supposed to flow or didn't slope. And so when you, it looks like it's hanging down on this end, but in fact, it's barely even level. And ultimately, it created some problems and we had to go back and change some things and Yeah, attention to detail uh, makes a difference. Now, Zook builders probably didn't necessarily think about all the ramifications. Certainly not that I'm going to use them as an example. But, okay, you, you get the point that... If you're going to accomplish something and be successful and, and do it right, you're going to have to pay attention to details. And ultimately, the little things begin to matter because we have, a, there's, there's things that have to be done if we're expecting to be successful. We're going to erase this here, and we're going to talk back about the fine line. Now, is a fine line important? There are times when it is. Let me use this illustration. Okay, This is a violin. Now, there's some of you that know how to play one. I'm not one of those. (laughs) So this makes me a little nervous. But I think I might be able to make an illustration at least that you can all relate to. Um, There are certain ways to play an instrument. And there are certain rules that have to be followed. And one of the strange ones for a violin, you have to hold it a certain way. And there's a, I think that's a chin rest. And this is not quite the right size. But you need to you use the bow and you make a note. I can sound a note. Now, I would call it a little rough, because I don't know how to play. But with a little practice, we could probably make something out of that. Or we can do this. Ooh. That didn't sound so great. Now, if you were very observant or if you know a little about violins, you may have detected the difference in my action. Now, there was no mistaking the end result. You could all hear that very well. But actually, there was a very fine line or a very fine string in this case of difference between The two motions. You see how important a fine line or a distinction? It makes all the difference between success or failure. And so a little thing, and those of you who have played a violin or know uh, about it, you know that those little differences... are what really make all the difference. But you may ask, uh, is it important to pay attention to detail? I'm going to read just a number of verses here, and this is only a small sampling of what we could Pull out from the scriptures, and I'm going to go through them rapidly. You'll not have time to turn to them. But keep in mind here this uh, our title, Attention to Detail Require. (laughs) Hebrews 8 5. It's talking about the pattern of things in the Old Testament. It says, Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Let me just interject here. The setting is that of building the tabernacle. And if you go back, you'll find... A detailed instruction and further, if I understand the scripture correctly, Moses was actually shown and could visually see what he was instructed to build. I believe it was one of the early models, if you will. It's even used today in engineering and and structures. They make a little scale model. I believe Moses literally saw a scale model of what he was supposed to build. Or it it may have been a full-size one, I don't know. But I believe he visually saw a model and God said, build it exactly according to what you see. The pattern showed to thee in the mountain. Again from one of the prophets, Zechariah 4.10. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Song of Solomon 2.15 Take us the foxes, the little foxes, that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Judges 20, verse 15 and 16 And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, Twenty and six thousand men that drew sword, beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered seven hundred chosen men. Among all these people there were seven hundred chosen men left handed. Every one could sling stones at an hairbreadth and not miss. Luke twenty one seventeen and eighteen. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not an hair of your head perish. Matthew twelve, thirty-six and thirty-seven. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. First Thessalonians five, twenty-one and twenty-two. Prove all things Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Philippians 1.9-10 And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that he may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, that he may approve things that are excellent. And in order to approve the things that are excellent, you need to make some discernment. You need to make some judgments. And it often comes down to a fine line. It really does. Now, we can focus only on the fine line and we can make an argument this way or that. But one of the principles we need to recognize is that The fine line does not stand by itself. Now there are cases where a fine line, one way or the other, makes no big difference. But let's just suppose here that this fine line actually is something like this. Now, that's a little crude, but I think you get the idea. This fine line with this behind it, there's some, some power and some force. When that fine line becomes the thin edge of a wedge, we've got something to reckon with. And I would just suggest that when it comes to things in the Christian life, uh, it's important for us not to despise the small things because we have to acknowledge that sometimes it becomes the thin edge of a wedge. Further, when we think of a of a uh, of a business, and I'll use I'll use mine. Um, an illustration and sometimes I almost despair of being too disorganized to make my business function well. Maybe that seems strange to you, I don't know. But one of the things I find most distressing in my work is those things that don't go well, that seem like they should have been able to go well with just a little more foresight or if I'd only done this or only done that, and what is especially frustrating is to be out on the job and you need a tool to do the job and you go to the truck and it's not there, you know, and that happens way too often. And you know it's there. In fact, I knew that thing has been riding around in the truck unused for three months. And wouldn't you know it, the day I need it, it's not there. And, and I tell myself, this has got to change. This has got to change. But, and so I work on it. It's those little things that can make all the difference between success or failure. And now as we're making comparisons here, let's just recognize that when I'm talking about these fine lines, this attention to detail, attention, if a detail has been missed and overlooked, it can range anywhere from Maybe just something that doesn't look as ideal or a minor inconvenience to actual catastrophic failure. And the same is true in the Christian life. There are some issues that are... As Paul said, you know, there's some things that are lawful to me, but not all things edify. And they don't all build up. And we need to make some distinction about the things that matter. But... Overall, God expects us to pay attention to detail. He referenced the passage that, uh, that Earl read there in the opening about Josh's instructions. The Lord said, follow these instructions that I gave you. Follow them exactly. Turn not to the right hand or to the left and thou shalt have good success. Attention to detail is required. Um, Another issue that our work is, and this might seem like a really small thing, but did you know that a messy desk can be a problem? And you think, well, my customers don't see my desk. Well, no, they don't. And that's fine, you know. I might think, okay, it doesn't matter, you know. I have my papers here and I go out to do work and I do a good job and we get the job done and all is fine except I have learned the hard way that I have to pay some attention in our business we actually have two and we have uh, and I've had to reckon with the fact that it's one thing to have ten different jobs It's another story to have 150 jobs coming across your desk. And that means some attention to the details. And here's what happens. I can have these piles and piles and I'm working on this and I'm working on this and I'm ordering materials and I put these papers here and then all is fine if I follow the rules until one day, oh, where's the paperwork for this or that job. And it can't be found. The customer's called. Where, where's my, you know, when is this job scheduled and we can't even find the paperwork? Because we didn't follow the rules. And I tell myself, we have got to be organized. We have got to be Paying attention when we get a job, the paper goes here, not over here, not over here, here. And when it's at this stage, it goes here, not over here, not over here, not in the drawer, here. No exceptions. that seems pretty severe doesn't it but you understand the principle if we don't follow some structure and organization it is going to affect how we do the job ultimately there's going to be a disappointed customer when that paperwork gets lost or this has happened we do the job and the customer doesn't get billed because we lost the paperwork that's a loss to the company and the bigger the company, the more important to follow the rules. This paper goes here, this one goes here, no exceptions. And then we can, we've got something we can work with. And we know it's going gonna, it's gonna to work. Did you know that the most successful businesses in our country are there because they have focused on attention to detail. And I, I read a book about that that uh, kind of changed my, or, I don't know, aligned my view. It's called The E-Myth. I could recommend it to anybody who is concerned about a, running a successful business. Can't even give you the name of the author, but he made it a study of his to... Uh, He looked at the statistic that said that in America, 80% of small businesses fail within five years. But on the other hand, he looked at franchises. And he found that a franchise is successful 80% of the time. Well, that's a rather startling difference. Small businesses, 80% of them fail within five years. But in a franchise, 80% of them continue and are successful. What is the difference? And so he studied that at length. And it was very amazing what... and, And yet it's so simple. He said that... McDonald's is the most successful small business in America. And everyone goes, "Ah, No. McDonald's is not a small business. McDonald's is huge. No. He says, McDonald's is the most successful small business in America. And it works this way, and he went back in the history. McDonald's, first of all, started out as a very small hamburger place in california and along came an enterprising young man who saw potential he looked at what was happening and he saw these this little hamburger stand had everything down to a science they had a system they could crank out a good hamburger in a very short amount of time and they had the crew lined up and and you ordered a hamburger and psh- psh- and here's your burger. And he looked at that and he was like, you know, I think we can make something of this. So he bought that little hamburger place and he made it duplicate. And the reason he could duplicate it is because they insisted on everything being the same every time. And that's why they're successful. It is no secret that McDonald's does not make the best hamburger in the country. They're still successful. Why are they successful? One of the keys is because you as a customer, when you go into McDonald's, you know exactly what you're going to get. If you have ordered a Big Mac a year ago, if you ordered one in California, Iowa, New York, it doesn't matter. If you go in and order their Big Mac, you know exactly what you're going to get. And that appeals to the customer. That expectation. Now, you may not like Big Macs, or you may like them, but it has made them successful because they insist on the rules. It has almost humored me that I have... I enjoy... Parties a little more than McDonald's, and I have ordered there. Um, I'm not even sure what it is, a, uh, I think it's a bacon cheeseburger, I remember the bacon part, because I get this sandwich, it's all neatly encased in a handy little thing that you can get a hold of to kind of contain the mess, and they have two strips of bacon, and they they stick out a little bit. On each side of the sandwich. Just... And I'm not sure that it made an impression until the second time I got this sandwich and I realized and this is after I've read the book of course (laughs) about a successful small business and I noticed it's exactly the same. Those two strips of bacon they stick out just a little bit on each side of the sandwich and it tasted just the same. And you know what? The... Would I go back to uh, Hardee's always for that same sandwich? I don't know. I would probably say I might not. But yet, when I make a spur of the moment decision, and especially when I walk into into Hardee's and I look at their board and I'm you know making a choice, ah yes, that you know I've had that one. I know what it's like. Kaching and their cash register rings and rings. Because they put the bacon in a precise spot. It is not by accident. They know what they're doing. Does it make sense? Because there's a message far greater than just putting the bacon in one spot. They are trying to make an impression on the customer. And getting back to the main thesis of the book, he was saying if you want your business to be successful, make sure that you have systems in place, methods of how you do things to deliver excellent quality to the customer and then focus on maintaining those things. He even said you don't want somebody coming into your business that knows it all and has already figured out how things are to be done. You want them to do things your way. He said, and the beauty of this is if you have your systems in place and this is what McDonald's does, you know McDonald's hires low-skilled workers. They don't have to come skilled. All they have to come is with an attitude of willingness to do what they're asked to do and to learn and when they come into the workplace, they're told, okay, this is how you dress. This is the kind of shirt you're gonna put on, and you're gonna put on this kind of pants, and you're gonna wear this kind of hat, and your shirt has to be tucked in. This is how you show up for work. Everybody does this. If you make the hamburger, this is how you do it. You lay it out here, you put on this much of this sauce, Everything They're told how to do it. It follows a system. And the people can be trained. And it becomes a successful enterprise because they follow the rules. Now, does God expect us as his servants to pay attention to... the rules. Well, let's just for emphasis read Joshua chapter 1 verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same Judgment. What would it be like if as a church body we, any any church, but let's make it personal here, we as a church body were known amongst ourselves and even by others around us that this church body believes that attention to detail is important everybody in the body is on board they have they have bought into the concept that attention to detail is required does that sound scary let's be honest with ourselves But is that at variance with what we're taught in the Word of God? But it's not a very popular doctrine. But God does expect attention to detail. Now, he's not in, in the sense of an exacting God that demands... Performance that he hasn't given us the power to do. He he gives us everything that we need. There's there's not a lack of resources. There's it's available, but he does expect us to follow the rules. I don't think I have it here, but one of the scriptures I looked at was the one where Paul says that uh, a man that strives for the masteries must be tempered in all things, and yet he's not crowned unless he strive lawfully. He has to follow the rules. He won't get that, uh, the award at the end of the race if he doesn't follow the rules. And while God is not that exacting taskmaster, he's not standing over us with a whip, but he is expecting us to follow the rules. And yes, we emphasize there has to be a heart. It's not just an outward form. And that is true. But if we emphasize Only that. Well, if it's in the heart, then everything is fine. And if you want to do it this way, you can go ahead. And if you want to do it this way, that's okay. Well, not really. If we want to be successful as a body, we need to buy into the concept of togetherness. And it goes beyond just words. There has to be some reality. I mentioned this fine line. But you know, a fine line, and I, I'm repeating myself here, but a fine line generally does not just stand by itself. Does it matter to God how we comb our hair? Yes, it does. He even mentions it. Or at least he mentions hair in the word of God. More than once. Now, it may not say exactly how it's to be done. But it does mention how it's not to be done. And my point is here, bringing up the matter of hair, is that The look that you have with your hair does not stand by itself. There are other things that go with it. And you know that very well. The world, in their fashions and their whatever, they they have what they call the look. And the look, there's different variations of it, and it changes from time to time, but if you want to be with the in crowd, then you need to have the look. And it's generally not just one thing. There's a lot of detail that goes into it. It's how you comb your hair, how you adjust your hat, the color you wear on your shirt, the kind of pants you have. And you know how those are very strange. They want the faded look or the ripped look. and I don't know if that's the latest, but it is so important for the look that you can even buy ripped jeans that have been pre-ripped for you because the look is what they're after. Well, I'd encourage you to study Isaiah chapter 3, the last half of the chapter, this may pertain particularly to the ladies, but God saw the daughters of Zion that they were haughty. That's a heart issue. And then he proceeded to explain what was haughty. He said it's how they walk and it's how they dress. And if I remember correctly, he listed 17 things that detail what God saw. Study the passage with that in mind. Now you're going to stumble if you're looking at every individual item because some of them we don't even know what they were. But think about this, 17 items. And you know that when somebody wants to achieve the look, it's more than one thing. They're going to, like I said, they're going to think about this, 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 and this from the head to the toe. Well, God sees that too. And God expects us as his people to also give the world an impression. And it's that of meekness and that of um, sobriety. And it's that we're not following the fashion of the world. God expects us to have a certain attitude. He expects us to have certain attitudes one with another. You know, it might be okay for the world to get angry... But that's not how we do things in the house of God. That's not allowed in this company, if you will, if you make a business model. It's not how we do things around here. We expect you to contribute cheerfully. We expect you to have a team spirit. We expect you to support others. Because our team effort is not just about an individual. It's about us helping one another to achieve the end goal. And we want to be identified as a unified body. We want people to know that we're together. Now, I recognize very well I've been around long enough. I've seen enough churches to know that there are problems in the point that I'm emphasizing, you can probably take a segment or two of what I've said and just tear it apart and say, no, 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 we, we, you know, this is going to lead us to problems. But one of the things I want to emphasize is that this fine line doesn't stand by itself. And God does expect us to pay attention to details. Because he's looking for a people that represent him. It's not about us. It's about him. And so he's very jealous about the impression that we give. There's probably a lot more and many more points that could be made but I see I'm nearly out of time. Maybe I'll just draw this uh, kind of a concluding thought which somewhat repeats what I've said. But we tend to shrink away from the and I've I've heard this term, probably used it myself, we don't have to be, you know, cookie cutter. You know, we don't have to be just like. But I've pondered that and realized that is really not the emphasis that the scripture gives us. In fact, the chief danger of the cookie cutter concept is that We are not to be cookie cutter like the world. Be not conformed. That has the concept of being pressed into a mold, which is exactly what a cookie cutter is. It's pressed into a mold. Looks just like the shape that it was pressed into. And that's what we should beware of, not to be like the world. But on the other hand, we are to be made like unto one another. Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, took not on him the nature of angels, but took on him the seed of Abraham. And it says that in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, That uh, there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And I believe as we grow in Christian maturity, we will become more and more like each other. Not less and less like each other, but more and more. We are able to discern to the finer points the things that are excellent, and are able to make judgment about putting away the things that are not excellent. Now the fear, of course, is that oh, well that will make us a judgmental group. You know, these these people are yeah, these people really give attention to detail. So they must be judgmental. Well, maybe we do need to be sure that we don't become judgmental. God is a God of mercy. We don't need to just criticize and destroy, as it were, others or fight. But Scripture is also clear that our focus should be on becoming like one another and to be of the same mind and to not be like the world but to be like one another and that it is not wrong to be giving some attention to detail. If we get a hold of this concept that What I do is not just for my own purposes and my own ends, but I'm part of a team, or in this case, a body. Yes, a body, there's ones with different functions, but we all work together, and there is I, I will say there is this tension between the importance, the relative importance of certain details, and in a sense, it's it's not wrong to have those discussions because it's important for us to have the proper uh, uh, to to make a proper judgment on the relative value of certain things as weight against others. But I think the heart of my message here is that we embrace and buy into this concept that God is looking for a people that give attention to detail and that are not afraid to own that. And recognize that if we focus just on this one fine line, and see that by itself, it's easy to argue it away. But if we look at the big picture and recognize what the goal is and realize that most of the fine lines are only elements in a bigger picture and that we're looking for a united body that functions well, that is giving a united message. And that message could even be that we give attention to detail. And if you think of a successful business like we used as an illustration, they get very serious about the details to make sure that everything is alike. Now, that could be carried to extreme, I'm sure it's possible. And and here I'll bring in the words of Jesus when he reproved the Pharisees. They paid tithe and mint and rue and anise and cumin and, and Jesus reproved them because they omitted the weightier matters of the law. Now that's a serious problem. Their problem was hypocrisy. And God is not interested in hypocrisy. Not in them and not in us. He expects a proper balance with the relative value. And they lost it. And we might think, okay, they lost it because they focused only on specific externals. And there is some element of truth to that. They thought that adhering to this certain code was going to be okay. But God said very clearly that's not. That's not the end. And note what Jesus said. He said these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. And we look at a business and we see you know there's there's a big picture, there's foundational things whether it's a business or in our spiritual lives, there are foundational things that cannot be neglected lest the house come to ruin. But note what Jesus, or in in Hebrews it says, that we are to go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and so on, now if we ignore the foundation we'll come to ruin but if we don't build upon that foundation and go beyond we'll also be fruitless, of no value so the details considered in and of themselves or by the individual amount or the individual detail it will seem oh it's not that important it can be ignored. But when you consider the whole and realize that if we're going to function well, the paper goes here, this paper goes here, and nowhere else and no exceptions. You start making exceptions, and the exception becomes the normal, you no longer have a rule. You're losing losing focus. And as we make um, application to our spiritual lives, let's just buy into the concept that God is looking for a people who give attention to detail in the right proportion, in the right spirit, but they're not negligent. They don't dismiss the little things as, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. And no, it's not more important than the foundation. But... If you focus only on the foundation and don't consider the details, you're not going to be successful. I think I'll close with that.